What's up? This is episode 069, Focus 40. We're talking about the experimental mindset. Let's do it. Welcome to the Design Your Thinking podcast, a show where we think, learn, and explore the product mindset so you can design better products every day. And now your host, Karthik. Hey, welcome back to the show. This is another Focus 40 episode on the Design Your Thinking podcast. And I'm so, so happy to be bringing yet another very interesting guest. Our guest today is someone who comes from a product management background and she has been doing running this company where she helps other product managers become better product managers and she runs an institute where she tries to teach people and yes i'm so excited to be speaking uh, with her because she is another teacher and i just love uh, people who teach so uh, without further ado let me go ahead and uh, introduce you to today's guest our guest today is the founder and ceo of prod ux labs and product institute She coaches product managers around the world to answer two important questions. Should we build this and why? Working with companies big and small, she helps them find the best product development processes that help them to build things users want. Her clients include Lloyd's Banking Group, Capital One, Spotify, Rovio, Valtech, Plated, Wire UK and Levo League. She is currently writing Escaping the Build Trap with O'Reilly which is due out late in 2017. Without further ado let's go ahead and welcome Melissa Perry. Melissa, super good to have you with us. Welcome to the show. Thanks Karthik, I'm excited to be here. Super. So, um well, you've you've worn multiple hats. Uh, I've I've been going through your profile and I've seen that you've Uh how do I say you've changed a lot of roles and now you actively do multiple things like I said product management uh coaching you focus a lot on lean and and you and you do a lot of talking and now a book as well so in the next mm-hmm. 30 odd minutes let's try to uh pick your brains around uh, you know making products so it could okay. be the lean coach or the product management expert Mhm So let's talk about what your success and thinking looks like so you've been you know wor- working with a lot of product teams uh, companies startups uh, name it uh, and you've been trying to help them make better products so what is the one thing you think has made you successful as this product manager and maker melissa yeah um i think the one thing that has really The one thing I think I developed as I was a product manager and a UX designer over the past 10 years um that really changed the game for me was my I think my curiosity and ability to learn. So that doesn't mean just like learning new skills or going out there to learn about the market. It's more about kind of accepting that you don't know everything that you should be building from day mm-hmm. one. And when I first started off as a product manager, I was like, oh, I'm the person who comes up with the solutions, right? I'm the person who gets to figure out, you know, what the iPhone should have on it and all these fun things to be there mm-hmm. that will be there that people can interact with. And I love the idea of kind of like dictating those requirements down at the beginning of my my career. 
And then I realized that didn't work. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like I just, um, I just saw like too many products I was building fail. So I changed my approach quite a bit and I just started approaching it more with a, with a mind that I learned, um, as an engineer in school, like we, we run experiments, we, we get data, we inform our decision-making. Um, and I started approaching my career more like that. So over the years, I think that the thing that has made me successful at it is my ability to really, to learn, to want to learn, to accept that I don't know all the answers right off the bat and then systematically break that down and discover what those are. Beautiful. So it's curiosity and um, maybe uh, the bent and the inclination to learn. Um, yeah. Let's talk about it more uh, in, in, the, in, the, in the next few minutes. So as this uh, person that uh, the, you are, the product management expert that you are, you are pro- you know, constantly working with a lot of teams and helping them make decisions and make decisions yourself. Uh, you know, it could be, you know, deciding on features or validating assumptions, A-B testing, user research, name it. How do you manage to stay productive, Melissa, as this person you are? <laughs> oh, man, that's the hardest question to answer because, honestly, um, I, I've been at war with that for, like, the last couple of years. As I as I went off on my own and started consulting, I realized I like to do a variety of things, and I, I don't like giving them up. So. Mm. I had to really restructure the way that I got work done. Um, and I think that's that's the same as a product manager too. So so now I go into companies and I help, I coach product managers through my school and I also go and consult with larger companies um, and coach their product managers or do workshops. And one of the biggest things I hear from them is, you know, I'm being pulled in every different direction. The stakeholders come over to me, they give me feature requirements. I feel like I, I'm beholden to like, build those things for them. Um, my developers are asking for, you know, more detailed specs. Mm-hmm. Um, but then mm-hmm. I see the people I know too transitioning to agile. I'll hear like product owners say they take on the scrum master roles as well because the developer's time is more important than them. And it feels like this role as a product manager or a product maker, even UX designer, whatever, like in those mm-hmm. roles, you are a jack of all trades. So you try to do everything and it's really hard to stay productive. Um, and I find that too, like with myself doing, you know, the speaking, the writing, all this stuff, it is hard to stay productive. But in both cases, I've used a few tips <laughs> for that mm-hmm. that have come down to me. Um, <clears throat> as a product manager in companies, what I do and what I do with my clients is really define what your role is and then delegate anything that is not your role. So somebody had a really good framework. Um, I'm trying to remember exactly what it was, but it was four quadrants mm-hmm. and what it said, it was things that were urgent to not urgent, right, on one axis. And then on the other side, it was things that are very important to not not important. And for the things that were like urgent um, and important, those are the things that you have to take on. So as a product manager, I see that as your core role, right? Like what you should be doing to understand the user, to decide um, to like run the experiments to figure out what it is you're going to build, to understand what the goals are. Like those are the core pieces of product management I see. Mm-hmm. And the things you should be spending most of your time on, like really focusing on optimizing that product. But the things like Scrum Master roles and, um, you know, coordinating with stakeholders, while that mm-hmm. is part of what you have to do, it's not the most core thing. So I see that as like pieces that you can either delegate or you can really come to compartment. Yeah, you have to compartmentalize that, right? And dedicate time to it at certain areas. Like it can't just be, oh, I do this all day, every day. So um, I see that too, like with my, with my role, 
when I look at like speaking, writing, I look at what's the most important, urgent things that I have to do. And I do those immediately. Mm. Um, for things that are important, important, but not urgent, I delegate them. So I got very comfortable, um, with, and this took a while for me, but I hired someone. She's awesome. And, um, I trust her now to like take on some work and I can delegate things to her. I know she'll handle it. Um, I think as product managers, we have to do that as well. One of the big things I hear from uh, people I work with, they will say like, oh, the stakeholders come over to me and they drop like ideas on my desk mm -hmm. to go validate. And I tell them like, turn that around on the stakeholder, make sure, make them come to you and, you know, defend why you should build that idea. Make them go pull the data, make them go do the user research, like make, like they can't just come and drop off things and be like, Hey, it's your problem now. Mm -hmm. And add this work to you, like make them come with reasons, like challenge them. Um, I had another um, somebody else who was telling me through my class that she was trying to roll out these new features to these clients at the SaaS company and the salespeople were getting a little like they were getting nervous about it and they were like, you have to go in and find out all these people who will be affected by it and like change them. And I said, no, the salespeople, you know, they manage the clients. They have the account managers there. They know who's affected. Make them come to you with a list of who will be affected and say, if you don't do, give it to me within this time, I can't guarantee they will be helped on this release, right? Mm -hmm. We take off too much as like product managers. We just try to do it all because it's not a very defined role. Um, people don't really know exactly what they should be doing in many cases. And then they can't be productive because they're doing too much. So I really think it's about defining what matters and what what is things that you have to do and nobody else can do? And then really learning how to delegate some of those other things and then compartmentalize what you still have to do, but you don't have to do every day, right? Like mm -hmm. learn that um, you don't have to be responding to everything all the time. Beautiful. Well said. And, and, and yeah, delegation is, is, is one thing that uh, I've seen a lot of us struggle with and I, I struggle with mm -hmm. as well. Uh, there, are, there are these moments when we get put into corners as... Uh, you know these these in as we end up being the fulcrum of this whole uh, movement around the product so um you know one thing i've seen though is uh you know with a lot of these uh people like i don't want to call them as product managers alone like we talked about designers and yeah. others but, so is this people. struggle to um you know keep this balance between being productive and being creative so you know i have come to call it as a creativity paradox which essentially says mm -hmm. that you know creativity and productivity are two ends of this symbolic totem pole so in other words you know we need to forego one in order to get the other right so how do you really manage to stay you know creative uh, while being this super productive person you are um i think that's a tough one so i learned that actually from my boss at when I was working at Open Sky, I remember um, I was both the product manager and the UX designer there, mm -hmm. and we were building this um, this new feature I was working on, and I've been working on it. I was designing it for like a good couple days, and I, I was just brain fried, like I could not figure out how to solve this UX issue, and it was you know it was something where I I'd been staring at the screen for literally eight hours a day every day for three days thinking about it when I went home. And I went up to him, he was like, we had our meeting, um, and Chris was like, why, like, what's going on? And I was like, I'm just, you know, I'm, I'm fried right now. Like, I don't know how to solve this problem. And he said, just leave your desk, go for a walk, take the rest, like, 
go take a couple hours off, get a coffee. Like, don't look at your screen for the next couple hours. Like it'll come to you. He's, he said, you know, if you want to be creative, you have to give your brain a break. You can't be obsessing about things all the time. And that was really powerful to me because I had always been of the mentality that if you power through it and you stare at it enough (laughs) and you think about it enough, you'll come up with the answer. Um, and when I started taking his advice and, you know, leaving my desk or working on something else or, you know, reading a book or something like that, um, in the middle of the day when I was stuck, like just changing tactics, um, I'd go home and I'd realize, oh, that's how you solve it. Right. Like Mm -hmm. a couple hours later. And it was one of those things where you just get frustrated if you obsess about solving a problem all the time. Um, and you can't force yourself to come up with a solution like that. Um, that's not really how it works. So I take his advice a lot now when I feel a little bit brain fried, if I'm getting frustrated by something, I do this a lot with writing, Mm -hmm. (laughs) writing a book is really hard. I didn't realize how hard this would be. Like I write blog posts a lot. Blog posts are easy, but writing a book is very, very hard. Um, and I'm learning the hard way, but I like, I'll get writer's block a lot and I just have to walk away. I say like, you know, I'll go, I'll go read a book and get inspiration from other authors, like the way that they write, the style that they write. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'll go, I'll go watch a talk online and hear what other people are talking about. And that might give me that inspiration I need, right? Like that outside, um, those outside influences, that whole, like not focusing on that little tunnel vision of what you're solving mm-hmm. that usually produces nice little spark of inspiration. And then a couple of days later, I'm like, Oh, I got it now. And then you want to write, then you, then you get motivated to actually solve these problems. And it's, it's interesting. I think like in the world of making products, we're so focused on trying to get things out the door to our customers as fast as possible. Um, and in companies, and I don't think that's a bad thing. I think you want to release things to your customers as often as possible, mm-hmm. but it's about releasing the right things. And I think we've developed this mentality that shipping anything is better than shipping nothing because it looks productive, right? Right, right. And it's it's one of those things where I see people like struggling at their desks and I'm like, how long have you been sitting there focusing on that stuff? And they're like, for 12 hours. Um, and they're not they're not being creative because they're not allowed the time. Like management will, will put arbitrary deadlines on things. You'll put them into a roadmap that's more of a Gantt chart. And people don't have time to be creative in those kind of environments. Um, you know, the the system is stressing that you have to release things by a certain time or, you know, you get a mark against you. You don't get your bonus. You don't mm-hmm. get praised or something like that instead of, you know, and, and that was that is what it used to be like when we were doing manufacturing processes, which is what a lot of what we do with software is coming from right now. We're still using mm-hmm. the same old like, project management um, methods that worked in manufacturing places, but we are no longer people doing those kind of productive things. Like those were set things. Like you put a wheel on the car and you screw in, you know, all the nuts and bolts around it. It's it's a process that's known. And as product makers, we are in a creative field. We're in a field where there's a lot of unknowns that we have to deal with, and you have to be creative to deal with them properly. And we need that space and that, that time to like sit back and, and, you know, really jive with it. So I think we need to give ourselves a little bit more space for that. The other thing I do too, to help with creativity is I will write things or like I will, I will create things and I'll throw it back to like my peers Mm -hmm. to give me feedback on it immediately. So I don't sit there and I, I don't sit there and I make things perfect. I like bounce it back and forth between a lot of people. Um, 
two of my friends who are also also authors and I are in like a mm-hmm. a book club we call it and every Tuesday we we share what we wrote and everybody gives feedback and you know their feedback is amazing and I, I don't worry about it being perfect I did it first and then I realized that was silly because the feedback that they gave made it so much better and I think if you the faster you get things out there the more you work in teams that way the more people give your inputs. Um, the better the solution becomes because it gets you out of that rut, out of the only way of the one way of thinking that you've been looking at by, you know, keeping yourself at the desk 24 Mm seven, staring at the problem, like giving it to somebody else, getting an outside perspective can really change what you've been thinking about. Absolutely. Uh, That's, that's a nice way of uh, putting it. In fact, uh, I, you know, I saw some, someone quoting this uh, recently on the Twitter feed saying software is never, never done. You know, yeah. so there's no point when you uh, talked about the analogy of manufacturing to software. Uh, one of the biggest differences is it's never done. So, so yeah, it's a journey. You can also prove it. Mm-hmm. So, uh, awesome. So, M- Melissa, let's uh, shift gears here. Let's uh, move on to the second part of a chat where we explore the product mindset. Um, mm-hmm. Just to um, make this a little clearer. So, the, the product mindset is essentially a set of beliefs, skills, techniques, and thinking hacks that successful product makers possess that allows them to, you know, learn, push through challenges and setbacks, um, master new skills, and, and of, um, more importantly, learn from the success of their peers. So, mm-hmm. Melissa, what are the three most important blanks that come to your mind that you think product makers like managers, designers, everyone should focus on in developing this product mindset? Um, just know that I call them blanks because I try to refrain from using the word skills or techniques or something. So. Um, okay, let me let me think about this. So the one thing I I think that really separates all those those roles, like the good from the great people. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, there's two parts I think of when you're thinking about how to be a great product maker. And one is kind of understanding the business. So it's a skill of understanding where your business is going to go, kind of understanding what the vision is and really breaking down defined goals that will help get you there. Mm-hmm. So I see more successful product makers. Um, they are successful because they know how to define goals and they know what success means in terms of their business. But on the flip side too, you need to have a really good empathy for your user. You have to be able to empathize with your user, understand who they are, really understand their context, and you have to be passionate about your users. So I think any kind of any person who's building software for a person um, really needs to be able to get into that person's head, like be able to understand where they're coming from. Um, and I think there was there was a really good uh, what you call it a, a good video um, by Benet Brown about empathy versus sympathy. Mm-hmm. And to and it's saying like empathy is by just letting people feel what they feel, right? And then understanding like their point of view, but not not treating them differently for it. Just say like I get you, right? Mm-hmm. Sympathy is like oh you're having a bad day. Well, you know a million other people are having a bad day too, so it can't be that bad, right? It's this kind of mentality of like you don't really get it. You mm-hmm. just kind of like trying to like pat those people on the back. And I think what separates good product makers from bad product makers is the ability to empathize instead of sympathize. I see a lot of people um, in the product community not do that with their customers. Um, when I go to conferences, I hear a lot of people say, oh, but the customers don't know what they want. Like, we can't listen to them. We mm-hmm. are much smarter than they are. Um, you know, they're frustrating. <laughs> they're mm-hmm. like, 
they're going, oh, you know, our users just don't know what they want. They frustrate me. This is stupid. And it's because they don't have empathy for their users, right? Like they don't understand why they're frustrated. Like users are not there to make your life difficult. They don't wake up in the morning and say like, hey, I'm going to, you know, annoy these poor product people <laughs> and make their life a living hell. Like nobody wakes up and says that in the morning. Um, if they're not happy with your products for a reason and you have to understand why. But too many people jump to that conclusion and blame the user instead of really understanding that. So those two areas are really, really important. And I think the other part too is this kind of like experimental mindset. Mm -hmm. um, it's something that I talked about at the beginning for myself, but it's this knowing that you don't know all the answers, right? Like being willing to put things out there, get some feedback, learn from it, improve it. And the willingness to do that um, too often, I see a lot of product people, managers, you know, designers, everybody, we, we spend so much time trying to make things perfect. And if people say they don't like it, we take it to heart, right? Like we, mm -hmm. I, I mean, I've had this happen to me too. Like as, as a designer, I, I'll think I'll have the most beautiful looking, you know, website out there. And then people are like, nah, <laughs> that looks terrible. Mm -hmm. And you're upset. You're like, there's just don't know good design. And it's, it's not true. So I try to like have a detached I keep myself detached when I'm getting feedback, right? I just mm -hmm. know that any feedback I get is going to help me improve it instead of being an attack on myself. It's not about my ability to solve problems um, well that they're attacking. It's just them trying to make things better. And I think to be successful in this area, having that willingness to learn, that willingness to get feedback, the willingness to improve, right, mm -hmm. is really, really essential to being great. Beautiful. So uh, it's... You said three things. One is understanding the business, uh, and second is empathy towards users, and the third and the last one is experimental mindset. So, um, I had one question coming in uh, when you talked about the experimental mindset, Melissa. Uh, uh, you've been working. Right. I hope you've been listening very carefully to this conversation. I really, really hope you got something out of it. Uh, if you notice, uh, she talked about curiosity and she talked about a lot of other different things, in including the three different uh, things that she thinks is important for people who make products to be good at, uh, you know, understanding the business, the vision and goals, being able to empathize with their users. And she talks about this experimental mindset. Back in episode 65, I talked about how you can get or develop your uh, sense of curiosity. If you haven't listened to that, go ahead and give it a listen. And talking about the experimental mindset, uh, this is a very interesting topic. And we went further talking about the experimental mindset. And also, uh, we had further conversation uh, about Agile and how people uh, in reality, how uh, companies and teams uh, really fare with this whole iterative uh, model or the experimental mindset. So uh, stay tuned to the next episode, which comes out in a couple of days from now. In episode 70, that is where we'll talk about the experimental mindset in greater detail. And also, she talks about uh, the final the, um, the final part of the Focus 40 episode happens there where we talk about the future of products and product management and, and many more. So uh, stay tuned to the next episode. And I really, really hope you derived value from today's episode. If you did, please... Do me a favor, go and hit subscribe and uh, leave a rating and review. A lot of 
my listeners have subscribed and I have gotten emails, but there, you know, it, it really doesn't take much time to go and, uh, you know, leave this rating and review. Please uh, t- do me a favor, do that right now. You can do that by heading over to designyourthinking.com slash iTunes. All right. If you like these episodes and if you like the content, do subscribe to my newsletter. You can do that by heading over to designyourthinking.com, scroll all the way to the bottom of the page, and you'll find a place where you can uh, type in your first name and your email address. Do that, and I will see you in your inbox. All right? Uh, you can find the show notes for the show at uh, designyourthinking.com slash episode 069, which is designyourthinking.com slash episode 069. Until I see you with the next episode, which is episode 70 in a couple of days, stay tuned, stay inspired, keep pushing. Cheers. Thanks for listening to the Design Your Thinking podcast. Subscribe to our newsletter at www.designyourthinking.com. 